0: Welcome to the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. We're a spirited and spiritual group dedicated to the free and responsible search for truth and meaning, also dedicated to being in right relationship with one another, with ourselves and with the planet. We come from a long heritage of teaching that there's a spark of the divine in everyone, and those of you who are watching on the live stream, want you to greet the others who are watching on the live stream by greeting them in the comments. And those of us who are here in the room, we greet the divine in our midst by turning to the people around us and welcoming them here this morning. Good morning.
1: I'm Carrie Holly Hurt. I am the social action chair. I am a seminarian, one of three currently, and... I'm your lay leader this morning, so please join me as we light the chalice. This is the flame we hold hold in our our hearts hearts as we we strive strive for justice for everyone. everyone. This This is is the light we shine shine upon systems of oppression oppression until until they they are no more. This This is is the warmth we share with with one one another another as our struggle struggle becomes becomes our our salvation. salvation. Our call to worship is by Mother Teresa A lifelong sharing. Love cannot remain by itself. It has no meaning. Love has to be put into action, and that action is service. Whatever form we are, abled or disabled, rich or poor, it is not how much we do, but how much love we put in the doing. A lifelong sharing of love with others.
0: This congregation wrote a mission for itself to guide our decisions as we move together into the future, and we revisit the mission every seven years. This one was uh, tweaked about five years ago, maybe. Um, We wrote it on the wall, and we say it every Sunday. Together, we nourish souls, transform lives, and do justice to build the beloved community. Every time we say our mission, afterwards we have a moment for beloved community, and this is the day that we're going to vote together at the congregational meeting at 1 o'clock on our proposed uh, eighth principle. So I just want to read it to you again, because um, it was written by a group of Unitarian Universalists, and the first thing that unitarian universalists want to do to any group of words is to reword <laughs> that group of words and the people who've written this principle have asked us please not to use that delaying tactic of trying to make everything sound perfect by which it means sound like rich white people um So we're to vote on it up or down just the way it is. It says this. The eighth principle affirms and promotes journeying towards spiritual wholeness by working to build a diverse, multicultural, beloved community by our actions that accountably dismantle racism and other oppressions in ourselves and our institutions. It's all in there. We dismantle it by our actions, not just by posting on Facebook or reading things. We act in order to acknowledge our own privileges, whether it be straight privilege, white skin privilege, able body privilege, um, youth privilege, education privilege, good grammar privilege, good teeth, good dental work privilege... There are hundreds of privileges that all add up and ebb and flow. And we help dismantle systems of oppression by naming our place in the systems and naming whether we are among those who benefit from the systems that are in place, even as we try to dismantle them. And we are accountable to one another, to our children, to our communities, to Unitarian Universalism as a whole. So that's the eighth principle that we are going to be voting on, and I hope we vote yes.
1: Our meditation reading by Olivia Brown, Olympia Brown, sorry, stands by this faith. Stand by this faith, work for it, and sacrifice for it. There is nothing in all the world so as important as to be loyal to this faith, which has placed before us the loftiest ideals, which has comforted us in our sorrow, strengthened us for noble duty, and made the world beautiful. Do not demand immediate results, but rejoice that we are worthy to be entrusted with this great message, that you are strong enough to work for a great true principle without counting the cost. Go on finding ever new applications of these truths and new enjoyment in their contemplation, always trusting in the one God which ever lives and loves.
0: Now is the time in our service when we join together in an attitude of prayer and meditation where we speak or listen to God as we understand God or where we listen to our inner wisdom or where we just watch our breath as it comes in and out of our bodies. Ralph Waldo Emerson called the silence the wise silence. Let us now enter into the wise silence together. As we continue in an attitude of meditation, enjoying the little baby noises, you are invited to light candles of joy or sorrow, hope, remembrance, or dedication. each other unless your disagreement is rooted in my oppression and denial of my humanity and right to exist. I'm going to start this sermon by reading you a story that I wrote. It's in my book called Did I Say That Out Loud? Um, picture a tall man with white hair standing in a dumpster looking through the trash. Two women stand on the street offering encouragement and appreciation. To tell the complete truth, we are also laughing. Here's how we got into this situation. Steve, the handsome white-haired man, volunteers his time and energy to clean our church. His main field of expertise is applied mathematics, but cleaning makes him hum and whistle. He was putting the building back in order after our Halloween festival, Boo at the UU. (laughs) We had spider races, a spells and potions room, a spooky surgery room, a fortune teller, and a pumpkin decorating contest. Steve and I were standing in the building's foyer talking companionably when Chris, our director of religious education, who rarely moves slowly, dashed up the hall from her office, spun around in the foyer and said, where are the pumpkins that were down there? She pointed at the floor. Oh, I threw those away, Steve said. Where are they? Out in the dumpster, Steve answered. Chris looked stricken. I promised the kids they could pick up their pumpkins Sunday after the paint dried. It was a promise. Let's go get them, was Steve's instant reply. Chris is a good mother. Steve is a good grandfather. They understand that a promise made to a child has to be kept. The three of us trooped off to the dumpster. Chris carried a box for the pumpkins. Steve carried the ladder. Setting it against the side of the dumpster, he climbed up and jumped in. He looked around. I wonder how I'm going to get out. Picking around in the garbage for the pumpkins, he placed them carefully in the box Chris lifted up to him. They counted, and when all the pumpkins had been rescued, Steve muscled himself onto the side of the dumpster and jumped to the ground. We clapped and whistled. I would be glad to know one person who would dumpster dive to keep a promise to a child. I know at least two. Had I been by myself, I don't know if I would have been that ready to dive for the kids' sake. I might have been more ready to tell them I was sorry, the pumpkins got thrown away by accident, and they would just have to deal. (laughs) I would have been sensible about it. That headlong jump into the dumpster isn't in my makeup. I think I wish it were. I would rather be one of those people from whom the kids learn to make enormous efforts to keep your promises than one of those people from whom they learn to deal with disappointment. I don't trust the world enough to make promises. Telling my children about something I want to do for them, I always try to say, that's my intention and my plan, but it's not a promise because you never know what will happen. I know Chris and Steve, having lived more than 30 years each on this earth, have as much reason to mistrust the world as I do. Yet they make promises. I don't know if it's just the world I don't trust. Maybe I don't trust my own strength or resolve. I broke those first wedding vows I took when I promised at 23 to love the man for the rest of my life. So much wrath, so much guilt followed the breaking of those promises. I decided never to make one again. After all, look where they get you, knee-deep in garbage, wondering how you're going to get out. (laughs) Steve did get out, though, after all, and Chris's promise to the children was kept. It wasn't that hard. It was even fun. My desire to stay clean by never making another promise suddenly strikes me as emotionally prissy. I don't want to be prissy in any way. Maybe I'll start small with little promises and see what happens. You can stand in the street and laugh at me if I end up in the dumpster. So I've been talking about our covenant of healthy relations this last several weeks. And today I want to talk about the part that talks about how we want to sustain and build our community um, by affirming our gratitude with generous gifts of time, talent, and money for our beloved community, and by honoring our commitment to ourselves and one another for the sake of our own integrity and that of our congregation. So I'm not going to talk about generous gifts of money uh, this Sunday, but I want to talk about commitment and honoring our commitments to ourselves and one another for the sake of our own integrity and that of our congregation. What psychologists are learning is that you build self-esteem. There's a, there are ways to build self-esteem. And one of the ways that you build it is by saying you're going to do something and then doing it. Sounds pretty simple, doesn't it? But it's not all that common for people to say they're going to do something and then Do it. And cumulatively, those promises kept build integrity, and they build character, and they build self-esteem. And I want to say that this congregation counts on all of us to do what we say we're going to do. As we join, as these new members have joined today, we make promises, and the congregation makes promises back to the new members to support them and help them and welcome them. And they make promises to support this congregation and give of themselves to this congregation. And that's what this congregation is built on. This whole church, as Mary read, would be nothing without you and without the things you say you're going to do. And that um, the building sometimes fails and the minister sometimes moves on, as I'm going to next Sunday. And that that is... um, Sorry, <laughs> cause that—that that is not what could. Can I have a Kleenex? Man, oh man! I wish there were a pill you could take and not cry. I think Valium is one, but. Um, <laughs> I don't really want to do that. So ministers move on, and the congregation is not just about the minister or even the ministers. The congregation is about you all and the promises you make and the promises you keep. And the covenant of healthy relations is a promise that we make to one another about how we're going to treat one another. So what I want to say also is that this whole church is a promise to the children growing up in it, to our liberal beloveds who feel outsidered in their families, to people who go to work and hear a bunch of disinformation and hate speech, and they come here and it's like... A, sanctuary of an oasis that they can come and get refueled and strengthened for the weeks ahead. This congregation is a promise to to the LGBTQ plus folks who still hesitate to come in the door because churches have been so hurtful to them and to our trans kids and our grown trans beloveds who find a home here and to the social justice folks who cling to the justice message of our congregation. And one of my big wishes for this congregation is that you all will stay with it and step up even. And it's such a joy to see new folks come into the congregation even if even the, the joining in February 2019 (laughs) or it's just wonderful to see this congregation breathe in people and and this congregation is a promise to welcome people no matter what body they live in and no matter who they love we work always on deepening our welcome not not just having a happy face and a smile and a, and a word of welcome um, when someone comes in the door, which that's important, but also a deeper welcome, a, a, the welcome that comes from being culturally competent about one another's cultures and that comes from being deeply anti-racist and trying to dismantle systems of oppression in ourselves and in our institutions. That is a way of being more welcoming. And this whole church... Is a promise of welcome and sustenance. On the other hand, it's hard to keep commitments. I looked up this week um, quotations about making promises, and most of them are very depressing. (laughs) Along the lines of, oh, as soon as you make a promise, you want to break it. Or the best way to want to do something is to promise not to do it. And <laughs> there's, there's not a lot of joy and hope about making promises. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's why I like our, the way that our covenant of healthy relations goes on. It says, also we sustain and build by forgiving ourselves and others when we fall short of expectations showing good humor and the optimism required for moving forward. Most of us have broken some big promises because we didn't understand what they meant when we made them, or because circumstances changed and shifted so much in ways we couldn't have foreseen. And we can let ourselves be sucked down a spiral of shame because of that and talk to ourselves about how worthless we are and how What a bad person we are. We can have court inside about are we a good person or a bad person. But what I'm hoping is that as we follow our covenant of healthy relations, we can let ourselves have the sole force to forgive ourselves, make amends when possible, and move forward and have the optimism to go on which in itself can be a spiritual discipline. Don't you think that optimism is a choice sometimes and that we can get out of the habit of optimism so easily, especially after a couple of years like we've had? Seven years like we've had. <laughs> it's easy to get out of the, the habit of optimism, and I think it can be a choice, and I think we need it in our relationships so that we don't despair and say oh you're always going to do this thing that I have to forgive you for over and over again or I'm always going to do this thing that I have to forgive myself over and over again so let's make it a practice to to try to choose optimism when we can the future holds many terrors but it also holds joy and energy I wish to ask your forgiveness for times that I've disappointed you in this past 11 years. And I would forgive you for times you've disappointed me, but I can't remember any times like that. <laughs> and so I wish that this congregation becomes, continues to become a place of good character, a congregation of good character, an optimistic congregation. And may we do a lot of good for the world.
1: Join me as we extinguish our chalice. We extinguish these flames, but not the light of truth, the warmth of community, or the fire of commitment. These we hold in our hearts until we are together again.
0: The lone wild bird in lofty flight Is still with thee, nor leaves thy sight And I am thine, I rest in thee Great Spirit, come and rest in me Go in peace.